Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon, and thank you again for joining me and also telling your friends about the show. I really appreciate that. And I'm excited about today's show. I did write a lot, so I know we're not going to get through the whole thing. But the title of today's show is Coming Home to Me. Now, I want you to think about that. You know, how do you feel when you think about going home? And you think about, oh, I'm going to go home. I'm going to see my family. You know, maybe that's not the greatest feeling some of us might have. Maybe it's the best thing ever for some people. But when you think about coming home to me, what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, it means that you live inside of yourself and you can't be alive without a body. So your body is your home. And what does it mean and how does it feel when you come home to you? So when I come home to me, that means I have to live inside of me and deal with all the thoughts and the feelings and whatever is going on inside of me, and that would be whatever is going on inside of my own home. So I want you to recognize that it's okay to hold yourself accountable, but are you doing it in an abusive way, or are you repeating the way that your parents dealt with you? Maybe they were either too passive or too aggressive. So it is similar to parenting, But it's really more about what is your internal world like? Is it safe inside of you? Is it chaotic? Is it hateful? Is it petrified or scared? See, we've all heard about safe places. So I want you to ask yourself, are you a safe place for yourself, regardless of how much you messed up or what great successes you may have had? Am I a safe place? Do I understand myself? Do I accept myself? Do I have my own back? Am I willing to forgive myself and still love myself? So what does it mean to be your own safe place? Well, many times you can write a letter to yourself, and that can help very much. And you can write a letter to yourself telling yourself what you feel, what you think, what you don't like, what you wish would happen, what you're hoping might happen. But more than anything, I want you to remember those triunes that we have talked about. And the one, the the triune, the parent, adult, child triune. 
So we all have a parent inside of us. We all have an adult. And we all have a child. How about the other triune of the me, myself, and I? And the me, myself, and I is like, how do I talk to me about myself? And that's a really important triune. It's like, is there somebody inside of me that's protecting me or has my own back when I start to criticize myself? So how do I talk to me about myself? When we look at that parent-adult child, I want you to ask yourself, do, you, do I have a condemning parent, an abandoning parent, a smothering parent that tells me everything I do wrong and what I should have done and could have done and would have done if only then I'd be okay? See, I need to redeem the parent part of myself. Now, what does that mean? That means that I need to not repeat the way I was parented if it was toxic or unhealthy, I need to repeat what works well. How does God parent me? Have you ever asked him about that? See, this is where you want to say to yourself, maybe I want to take some things from my parents. Like there are some things that my mom and dad did that I'm very grateful for. There's some things they did that did not help me at all and I had to kind of recover from it because they're just humans. So I need to redeem the parent part of myself. I need to have a parent that's guiding me, cheering me on, or forgiving me, helping me, coming alongside me as I learn and grow every day. God gave me to me. Now, I haven't always wanted me. <laughs> I mean, I'll be very, very uh, frank with you about that. I have not always wanted me, but God actually gave me to me. And he sees it as a gift. So he wants me to enjoy my journey as much as he enjoys seeing me walk my life out one day at a time. Every day means I'm coming closer to going home and being with God forever. Consider the idea that you do have a loving father who is truly watching over you and never makes you do anything. Now, see, we, we really... We kind of decide that God is a certain way, and, and it usually means that he's this, like, unforgiving, mean, I don't know, tyrannical God. And I want you to really think about that. If God really were hateful and mean and tyrannical, do you think the earth would still be happening? Probably not. And so this is where you want to say to yourself, maybe that's the dad that I had, or maybe that's the dad that I think I should have because I'm not proud of how I'm acting and what I'm doing with my life. So God never makes you do anything. I mean, I wish he would sometimes make me do the right thing. <laughs> so he does not make me do anything. And I realized that the greatest risk that he ever took was on humans. And that was giving us free will. See, free will is the wild card. It means I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I just can't choose the consequences. So... Am I willing to forgive me and make peace with myself? I only have one life. I need to live it, and I should live it well. See, living well doesn't mean living without pain. Living well means I'm taking advantage of the time I have in order to be the best version of me. That's truly the goal. See, I remind clients, I remind myself, my friends, I say, you know, no one can mess up like I can. 
but no one can succeed like I can either. I affect the world around me in a very unique manner. No one messes up like I can, and no one succeeds like I can. So it's time to embrace myself, accept myself, and love myself. And accepting myself doesn't mean I like everything. And it doesn't mean I like everything about myself. It means I've got my own back. I don't reject myself on an ongoing basis. It means I don't depend on others to give me all those good feelings. So if I don't like something I do, I don't necessarily integrate that as who I am. I recognize that I might do some things that I'm not proud of. That doesn't have to define me. And so I don't want you to be, you know, unreachable or distant or condemning to yourself. I want you to think about this. This is probably one of my favorite, favorite passages in the Bible. And this is Luke chapter 6, 35. And it says, I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it. Live out this God-created identity the way our Father li lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. See, we need a kinder, gentler world, don't we? And that world starts with me. It starts with you. If we teach people how to treat us, for the most part, they will always be those who are going to act just the way they want without conscience. But I can teach others how to treat me primarily by the way I treat myself and by the way I treat you. I get the best version out of most people because of how I talk to myself and then how I talk to them. And so I say things to myself like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to believe that they're a kind person. And I go into it with that attitude and I let them prove me wrong or I let them prove me right. So when we think about this, this is where we want to make sure that regarding the inner, the internal world in which we live, that we have to make sure that you understand you cannot truly love others, care for others, if you don't do it for yourself first. Continuing to circle back to what you need to do to care for you. Think of what would happen if Jesus didn't take care of himself. He couldn't have done what he needed to do, and all his words and feelings would have been in vain. So loving the one that others love is the best way to care for them. So I'm going to say that one more time. Loving the one that others love is the best way to care for them. So one of the best ways I care for my husband is I love myself so that he doesn't have to worry about me. So that he doesn't have to be, you know, so upset about, oh my gosh, is my wife going to be okay? Is she making good decisions? Is, is she going to be living here the next couple of months? Or is she leaving? Or what is she doing? And so is she so upset with herself that I can't even talk her into who I know she is? So loving the one that others love is the best way to care for them. And when that happens, your relationship you will feel better about you. You will have greater stamina and energy. You will have more energy to give to others. And you have more grace to give because you know how hard it is and you give yourself grace. 
So you no longer stress and worry about them. You actually make their life easier because you're the, the person that they don't have to worry about. You set a good example. You uncomplicate things. See, one of the things that helps my friends, helps my family, helps clients of mine is that I make sure that I don't overcomplicate things, that I look for the best in them, and I recognize that, hey, if they could do better, why wouldn't they be? So even if I don't like what they're doing, I'm going to trust that they're doing the best they can. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about coming home to me. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And I want to make sure that you visit the website. We have lots of things available for you on the website, and I want you to take advantage of those. And thank you so much for telling uh, your friends and family about the show. I really appreciate that. And today we are talking about coming home to me. Now, think about that when I say that phrase, coming home to me. Well, usually... When we think about coming home, it's supposed to be a wonderful feeling, right? So if I'm going, oh, I'm finally going to be coming home. I can't wait to get there. Well, not all of us feel that way, right? I didn't always want to go home when I was a teenager and an adolescent and a grown adult. I didn't always want to go home. And so I want to make sure that coming home to me is a positive experience, so we've all talked about and heard, you know, the term safe places. So why would that be so important? Well, part of it is because the world is not a safe world to live in. And humans many times are not safe people to interact with. So I want to make sure that you hold yourself accountable to being a safe place for you. So that you're not always looking for safety and good feelings outside of yourself that you can generate them inside of yourself. And it really is a choice. I don't, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that it comes naturally. It is effort and it is work, but it is worth it. So I want to ask myself, am I a safe place for me? Do I understand myself? Do I accept myself? Do I have my own back? Am I willing to forgive myself and still love myself? So what does it mean to be your own safe place. Well, what I would like you to start with is just not rejecting yourself. I want you to be kind to yourself. I want you to recognize that the majority of humans, if we could do better, we would be, right? I mean, I remind clients of this. I remind myself, if I could be doing it better, why wouldn't I be doing it better? And so I have to accept the fact that maybe my best isn't that great, but maybe it's all I have right now. And I can be compassionate and kind to myself. And as I do that, I begin to make better choices. I begin to feel stronger. I begin to feel happier. And I'm better when it comes to making decisions out in the adult world. So I want you to think about, God does not make me do the right thing. I, I wish he would many times. He gives us free will. And that is the wild card. So the greatest risk 
that God ever took was humans and giving us free will. See, I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. I just can't choose the consequences. So when we think about this, it's time to embrace myself, accept myself, love myself. And, and that doesn't mean I always have loving feelings. This is really, really important. See, think about how we treat uh, the, the least of us or the worst of us. So let's think about a child molester. Well, we still give him three meals a day, right? And if somebody beats him up, if one of the guards beats him up in jail, the guard gets in trouble. This is because he's a human. So it doesn't mean we like everyone, but we value who they are. And so when we are working on this, we have to understand that we cannot judge who we are based on our own feelings. See, I, I can have a tendency many times I'll make a mistake and I will think it's bigger and larger than life. And the other person probably didn't even notice it. And so I can make it much bigger than it is. I also can minimize things. And I can say to myself, oh, that wasn't that bad. I probably shouldn't have said it, but it's not a big deal. When probably I know it's a big deal. So I want you to understand you cannot truly love others and care for others if you don't do it first for yourself. And I have, you know, pounded this into this show for years and years and years. And the reason I have is because I know it works. And it's the greatest gift I can give to the people that I love and that love me is to take care of myself. That's the greatest gift I could give them. So think about, like we talked about in the first segment, what if Jesus didn't take care of himself? He couldn't have done what needed to be done. And all his words and feelings would have been in vain. So when we think about loving the one that others love, it's the best way to care for them. If my friends and family don't have to worry about me, it's a big load off their back. So when I'm caring for me, I will feel better about me. When I care for me, I have better stamina and energy. And I have more energy to give to others. I also have a lot more flexibility to forgive. I don't take it as personally. See, I'm not stressing and worrying all the time. And I make their life easier because they don't have to stress and worry about me. It also means I set a good example. And it also means I'm better at uncomplicating things. And so I promise you, you'll have more money, more time, more energy to enjoy life and others. I'm not saying you're going to be like a millionaire. But what will happen is you will hold on loosely to things. And you'll be amazed at how much more you have. So what does taking care of yourself really mean? What is not taking care of you? Well, I'm going to go back to one of the shows that we talked about. And this is from the book, How Words Can Change Your Brain. And it's a little technical, but I want to reiterate it because it's very, very important. And so when the way that words can change our brain, what they're saying is it indicates that the most current neuroscientific research reports that by holding a positive and optimistic thought in your mind, you stimulate the frontal lobe activity. This is the area 
that includes specific language centers and connects directly to the motor cortex, which is responsible for you moving into action. The more positive you think, the more energy you will have, the easier it will be to walk out difficult things. And so the research has shown the longer you concentrate on positive words, the more you begin to affect other areas of your brain. So your brain functions better. And over time, the structure will also change in response to these conscious words, thoughts, and feelings. And then we believe, right, that this affects the way in which we perceive reality. So guess what? When I'm thinking positively, and I'm not talking about ridiculous positivity, I'm just talking about thinking positively. How can I turn this into something that maybe have some positives to it? Well, what that does is it changes the way I perceive my life. So instead of perceiving my life through, you know, a dark cloud, I perceive my life where the sun is shining. And so I have more resilience. I have more stamina. I have more love to give. I am more patient and I am more kind. And so what they have found is, is that if you repeatedly focus on the word peace, saying it out loud or silently, you really will begin to experience a sense of peacefulness in yourself and others. This is what our brain does for us. The thalamus responds to the incoming message of peace and it relays it to the rest of the brain. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of coming home to me. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. And I really am glad that you are referring your friends to the show. Thank you for doing that. And I want to make sure that you take advantage of the website as well, because that, and that's at CynthiaHyatt.com. We have lots of things available for you there. So we're talking about this idea of coming home to me. Now, what does that mean? Think of it as a little kid. Were you happy when you got to come home? Think of yourself when you came back from college. Were you excited to go back home? So when we think about these things, we have to say, hey, I'm always coming home to me. See, we, we extend ourselves as we go out into the world and through our thoughts, through our behaviors, through our actions, all these types of things. And so we have to say, am I having a safe place inside of me? And in the previous segments, we've talked about we know what safe places are, why they are so important. And so you can have a safe place with you everywhere you go if you are willing to use words properly in your mind and how you think. Because the way you think, and we have that famous verse, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. That's how our brain works. It's like a computer. You put that word in, it disseminates it all through the rest of your brain. And it starts to walk out that word or that statement. So let's think about this. When I, when I think about kindness, and I recognize that God is kind, 
Now, you you have to understand that if he weren't kind, we would not be alive. <laughs> so, you know, you may not be understanding his kindness per se, but you have to understand that his kindness means that we are still alive and we still have choice and we're still able to do our life. So we need a kinder, gentler internal world, don't we? Well, it starts with me and it starts with you. And so we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing to make my world kinder and gentler? And what you will find, and they have so many studies about this, that the way that we think affects our body so much that we can overcome illness faster by the way we think. And we take better advantage of the medications that the doctor is giving us when we are hopeful, when we are loving, when we are kind to ourselves. So let's think about this. The general definition can mean anything from relating, you know, when, when we think about this idea of this relationship that we have, and we mistake relating with intimacy. And this is, this is important to recognize. We can relate to a lot of people, but it doesn't mean that we have intimacy with them. It doesn't mean we want necessarily to be best friends. So when we look at this, the general definition can mean anything from relating to the waitress at the coffee shop to what should be the most intimate relationship, and that's relating to my significant other or spouse or family. So intimate is really defined as most private or personal, very close or familiar, deep and thorough. So you have intimacy with yourself, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not. So you are the one thing that affects you more than anything else in the world. And so when I talk about this, I remind people that the most meaningful and healing relationships must have intimacy. So we can have many relationships on a multitude of levels without necessarily being emotionally intimate. So in my practice, I work really hard at dispelling the myths that people create for themselves by saying they are done with relationships and will not do them in the future. See, the choice is not whether or not to have a relationship, but, but whether or not the relationship will be positive. That's the difference. If you don't put the work into it and don't take the risk of developing positive, intimate relationships, you'll be left with negative relationships that are void of intimacy. So the question is, Will I choose to relate positively or will I attempt to avoid relating only to get negative relationships that are void of intimacy? See, here's the thing. All relationships are a risk, but they are necessary for our growth, our development, and our health. So what is your relationship like with yourself? How do you relate to you? How do you talk to you? And this is where we want to be very careful about what we think. And that's where we talked in the last segment about, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. That was one of the most powerful Bible verses I ever lived and ever learned. And so when we practice kindness and gentleness toward ourselves, we are amazed at the neuro changes in our brain and the way our body responds. See, you have to say to yourself, if I don't care for me, others will suffer. And this is where I want you to understand you are very valuable to God. You are valuable to others, whether you feel it or not. So I don't want you chasing a feeling. 
I want you to absorb the truth. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk more about For As a Man Thinketh Within, So He Is. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I want to make sure that you take advantage of the website, and that's at CynthiaHyatt.com, and it's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. You can get lots of resources there, and I want you to take advantage of that. And so today's show is really about coming home to me. And we talked earlier in the, in the show about safe places. And I want you to ask yourself, are you a safe place for you? Because if you can't be a safe place for you, it's going to be difficult to be safe for other people. And if we're to have intimacy, there has to be safety. So we left off with that wonderful Bible verse that says, For as a man thinketh within, so he is. And we've talked about, you know, the way the brain works and the way we think is what our brain then takes and begins to make it into an action. So what we want to think about is how do we turn down that negative talk? Well, we change our internal dialogue and we learn to care for who God cares about, which is you and which is me. And I know I've said this a million times, but I can't say it enough. You are the primary caregiver for you. God gave you to you to care for who he loves. He's trusting you to take care of you because you matter to him. And of course, you matter to so many other people. But this is imperative. You need to be a safe place for you or you can't be a safe place for other people. So what's your internal home like? Is there peace inside of you? Is there love? Is there grace? Or is there abuse and anger and arguing and accusing and neglect, condemnation, lots of hurt? How about abandonment? See, if the enemy can get you to abuse yourself, you're doing his job for him. And he sits back and watches the wreckage and damage, just like an auto deduction in your internal bank account. So how would you like someone to talk to you? It's amazing how we will talk to ourselves or how we will treat ourselves. We'd probably be mortified if we ever did it in front of somebody or if they ever found out how we thought toward ourselves. So I want you to say to yourself, I'm going to practice kindness and gentleness toward me. If I don't care for me, others suffer. In many ways, in many ways. So you have to understand you're valuable to God and you have tremendous resources. See, we're more willing to take care of the planet and all its resources than we are to take care of the people. We're willing to make all kinds of provisions, spend all kinds of money, sacrifice in ridiculous ways for the planet, but not for us. We also will do that for animals, but not for us. We'll do that for our house or our car, but not for us. See, I want you to understand that what is produced inside of me is what is going to come outside of me. I can really only fake it for about three months. And then the people that I'm in relationship with are going to start to find out who I really am. So when you think about the greatest commandment, it's laying down our life. Well, do you lay down your life for you? Or do you do whatever you want to do? 
and hope that your body, your brain, your mind, your soul is somehow going to be okay. So the greatest commandment of all was love your neighbor as yourself. Are you willing to love you, knowing everything about you? Are you willing to love you? See, the greatest thing that you could do for the people that love you is to cause them to not have to worry about you. But to be able to know that, oh, they're okay. As long as they're okay, all right, I can, I can continue to go on. I can, I can continue to try to work on my own life. I'm just glad they're okay. And so this is why we have to understand that we need to honor God who made us. We need to care for who he cares about. And more than anything, that translates into our friends and our family. So how do I practice kindness and, gentle, and gentleness? Well, if you think about this idea that love means do no harm, it doesn't mean cause no pain, unfortunately. So love means I don't harm others. But love also means I don't harm myself. See, the easiest way to go back to your internal home is to think about treating yourself in the way that God would treat you. How does God treat you? How would Jesus treat you? What's your internal home like? Is there peace? Is there love? So why, this is what I want you to ask yourself. It's not, it, the question isn't whether or not you're worth taking care of. See, that's already been established. It's are you willing to take care of you? It's not about a feeling. It doesn't necessarily come natural. It is absolutely sacrificial. See, when I take care of me, it is a sacrifice because there's just things I want to do. Like I tell people, everybody knows, I have now finally quit Diet Pepsi and I'm very proud of myself for that and I worked really hard on it. And I did that because <laughs> people depend on me. I would like to tell you that I did it because I wanted to be a healthy person. <laughs> I mean, okay, I do want to be healthy. Do I always want to put the work into it? No. So this is a sacrifice for me. I sacrificed because I knew that I had been drinking diet sodas for so many years, it's going to take a toll. And I don't want that to happen. I know all the research. I know all the studies. And so I've made a commitment to say, I will now drink water. Now, I do give myself a little bit of a break. I put like the little vitamin C packets into it so it tastes better because any of you that have grown up in Arizona, you know it used to be well water, and so nobody learned how to like water. So I'm working on liking water. So the question that I'm saying to you is, that I'm presenting to you, is why are you not worth taking care of? And there's that famous saying, right? How's that working for you? Or think about it this way. What fruit is being produced in your life by treating yourself poorly? How does that help others, how does it help the world? So when we think about this, we think about how we would love someone else. So I can love me when I think about how it affects other people. So what's the outcome of kindness and gentleness? What fruit is produced? Well, what does love produce? Love produces life. Jesus is alive because love cannot be killed. Even people who are physically dead do not cease to be loved, right? 
we still love those people that have died. So I have to think about the outcome. What happens if I love and care for myself? Well, how do I feel? What behaviors occur? What happens if I don't? Okay, if love means do no harm, we know that that doesn't mean it causes no pain. See, if you, if you knew my history about my teeth, all right, I have huge teeth and I have a really small mouth. So when I was little, I had to go to the dentist almost every two months and get my baby teeth pulled out because they would not come out because my roots were so long. And the doctor would, he would have to put his knee on the arm and pull, yank these huge teeth out of my mouth. And so at one point when I was like in, you know, junior high and high school, I think I had four front teeth and four bottom teeth and a molar on each side. That's it. And they were huge teeth. And so what does love mean? Well, my parents were committed to my teeth. And I'm so grateful that they were because I have great teeth. I do. But it was a lot of work and a lot of effort. And so we have to understand that love means do no harm. It doesn't mean don't cause any pain. So this dentist, he would have to put his knee on the arm and he's twisting and twisting to pull my tooth out because my roots were so long. So I guess if I was a Neanderthal, right, maybe that would help me. But I don't need that much teeth, those bigger teeth. I don't need that. So my parents put a lot of effort into my mouth. And I'm thankful for that. So love does not mean do no harm. It, it, it means do no harm, but it doesn't mean causing no pain. So I need to be able to handle the pain that is causing me to gain a better life. So remember that there's pain in vain and there's pain for gain, but there's always going to be pain. So my pain can be in vain. I can ignore pain and, and it can become worse or I can gain from pain. So I want you to take care of yourselves. You're valuable. You're loved. And we need you. And what we sow, we will reap in kind. So stop the negative self-talk, the negativity within us that inhibits a kinder, gentler internal world. We've talked in previous shows about how negativity damages the brain. So we need to stop the negativity, increase the positivity ratio. This helps us bring a kinder, gentler version of ourselves into each relationship we participate in. How do we turn down the negative self-talk? Well, if you're a negative self-talker, you may not even realize it. It may be more unconscious at this point. So remember, the brain is hardwired toward negativity. So it may be second nature or automatic. One of the ways we become aware of our own self-talk is truly tuning in, truly listening to yourself, the way you might listen to a dear friend or a loved one. See, you know how much I love WebMD. And Joanne Parker put together this great article about this very thing. And the article addresses negative self-talk and what to do about it. Firstly, we want to realize that it's not all in our head. It's a way of creating its own reality. It has a way of, of just telling yourself you can do something as a way of making it happen. Telling yourself you can do something can also make it come true. So self-talk dictates how you relate to yourself, how you show up for other people. So people who think negatively tend to be less outgoing, have weaker social networks than positive thinkers. 
Multiple studies link positive emotions with more satisfying relationships, more romance, and lower divorce rates. Secondly, we want to stop the downhill spiral. So negativity, that kind of talk is like a runaway train. Your mind goes around in circles and it's replaying negative events of your own shortcomings. And the more you focus on negative events, the more your brain is going to tell you all the things you did wrong. So I want you to distance yourself from negative self-talk. I want you to distract yourself. I want you to call it out on yourself. I want you to say, stop with the negative thinking, Cynthia. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I want us to make it positive. And this means I talk to myself like I would a friend. I coach myself the same way I would a friend. I say things like, I am confident, I have skills, and I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to be my own best friend, my own coach, and my own advocate. Because I'm valuable. So I'm so glad that you listened to the show today. And I'm so glad that you are also reminding your friends to take advantage of all the podcasts that, that I have and to make sure that you take advantage of the website and all that that has. And so I want you to understand how valuable you are and I want you to make your own internal world a safe place so that you can be stronger, more authentic, more spontaneous, happier, all of those things that come with the way we think. So remind yourself, for as a man thinketh within, so he is. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great rest of your day. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version.